0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 194. Now is the time to share your heart, coming to you on Thursday, April 30th, 2020. Now, remember last week, I gave you a huge list of resources of all sorts of different kinds of interesting news that should probably be of interest to you as a writer. I found one more piece that I had to share. This is from the book bub partners blog. So bookbub.com is a place where as a reader you can sign up and uh, choose what kinds of genres or what kinds of authors that you want to follow and hear about whenever their books are on sale. Um, and you can get ebooks for free or for super cheap. It's great. I love it as a reader. It's also great as an author because you can apply to get into this, um, this advertising newsletter that goes out to readers. So when you are part of their um, author community or publisher community, I guess I should say, um, you can also, well, actually, I'm sure anyone can read it. You can read the BookBub Partners blog. And uh, what I kind of was really saying was is that you'll get automatically an email telling you about the different blog posts that they have. And one of their newest blog posts is called How Reader Behavior is Changing During the COVID-19 Crisis. So they did some sampling, um, picking up information from various partners and other people, other organizations, and it's a really kind of comprehensive blog post about um, what's happening in the publishing industry right now as of April, 2020. Um, and how readers are buying and consuming books right now. So I encourage you to go check it out. You can find the blog by either Googling BookBub Partners blog, or just go to insights.bookbub.com. And then it should be one of the first articles on there. But if you're coming in later, and they've already posted a bunch of articles, it's called How Reader Behavior is Changing During the COVID-19 Crisis. Okay, so wanted to share that with you. But the other thing I wanted to share with you is the idea of what we do as writers. Now, depending on what you write, you may not think that you are sharing your heart with your readers. If you're writing fiction, my guess is somewhere in the characters, in the um, genre that you're writing, you are sharing your heart. Whether you're realizing it or not, I don't know. (laughs) If you're writing nonfiction, there's a good chance that even if you're sharing facts, you're presenting them in a way that shows us a little bit about who you are as a person, which is your heart, right? So I wanted to encourage you, particularly now, when there's so many people, news programs, news articles, um, when there's so much feeling of anxiety and crisis, if you are particularly if you're reading news articles or watching anything on the TV or anything that's a a headline on the internet. Um, And also, you might personally be feeling a lot of anxiety, fear, um, crisis sorts of things. Now, (laughs) I feel a little bit bad that I (laughs) can't um, fully understand how other people are feeling who are in that place because my life has not been affected in negative ways. So I'm very blessed, very grateful, and trying to use my position of not being in a place of anxiety to help any and all of my listeners to also find what can you do to bring a sense of peace, joy, humor uh, into... the audiences that you currently have. Now, whether you have um, no books out yet, maybe you're doing some blogging or just writing on social media, or whether you have one book out or a whole bunch of books out, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, there are lots of ways that you can encourage and help other people. And I really, really hope that you will take a minute, if you already haven't, and you might've already been thinking about it, to think about how you can share What's in your heart to help other people? Now, the thing about this is that I have found as a writer of fiction and nonfiction, uh, I've probably been publishing for 23 years altogether from the very first thing that I ever got professionally published. Um, I have found that there is a place where I start thinking to myself, Good job. You're really being transparent and uh, letting people know your your real self. You're being authentic. But then there are other times when I think, yeah, you seem really authentic and you're not lying, but you're not 100% all in. Now, there's no reason that you need to be 100% all in with anybody except for maybe your spouse, your best friends, your kids, but. If you think that you're being, you know, pretty much here's my heart. I'm telling you how I really feel, and I'm I'm putting myself out there. I want to be um, transparent in a way that you can really see. Like I want to entertain you. I want to help you, or whatever it is. I, for me, for sure, I can tell you that there are times when I start thinking about it, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> I think that this is a little bit more surfaced level than I really realize. So. Think of it like a fence. I lived in Southern California for a really long time and I saw all kinds of fences. And I re- remember when I first moved there, I'm pretty sure that was, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the time that I really noticed there's a fence around every single property. Um, Even apartment complexes, you know, uh, in Arizona as well, there's fences around apartment complexes. And there's all different kinds of fences. And it seems to depend a little bit on where you live and what kind of place you live in. So, for instance, fences around apartment complexes um, are probably cement block or some sort of cement block kind of wall. Um, Very thick, tall kind of ugly. (laughs) Some of them are less ugly. Some of them uh, are made out of brick, looks much nicer, still thick, tall. Uh, In the places that I lived in Arizona that had these great big walls, I think, mm, nope, not all of them. Nope. Some of them must have really been for quote privacy or quote safety. Uh, Some of them I know for sure were uh, walls that were put up to prevent the massive amounts of sound from the very nearby freeway from getting actually into all the apartments and making them really loud and uncomfortable places to live. But when I moved to Southern California, I noticed that there was a fence around pretty much every property. And there were some places that I realized, you know, either by visiting my friends for the weekend or whatever, that you could live there for months and never see your neighbor, have no idea what your neighbor looked like, unless you happened to go outside to get in your car at the same moment that they did. And that's interesting. I was going to say weird, but let's just call it interesting right now. Now, um, a lot of these fences were taller than um, your average tall person So you would have total privacy. You could do whatever you want and not worry about being bothered or bothering other people except for like if you had your your music playing really loud that obviously gets through a fence some of the fences were um very nice thick wooden fences very pretty nice to look at uh some of the back fences would be these cement block walls some of them were sort of covered with all of the greenery of the backyard uh, some trees and some bushes and that sort of thing so that i think i think to hide the ugly cement block wall <laughs> Um, There were places that I uh, drove through in the Beverly Hills area that had ginormous tall fences made out of wood. uh, Well, I don't know, probably no wood. No, I would say um, stone uh, and metal, and many of which had hedges in front of them as well so that you couldn't see at all anywhere. I mean, I don't even know how you would be able to um, get around seeing into the fenced in area. Incredibly private. Um, And I'm not saying privacy is a bad thing, but stay with me here. Um, Whereas when I lived in Michigan, um, the place that I lived in my whole life had no fences, but it was in the middle of the country. So there was, you know, um, I don't know, 20, 40 feet of trees between our property and the neighbor's property when it's not summer and the trees are all green and covered with leaves and everything in the winter time you could see through the trees to the neighbor's house and of course you can see the houses across the street um but i don't know of anybody who had a fence um okay so now i'm thinking of a couple people and they were city people who came up and bought summer homes and put up fences around their homes there in the country And I remember thinking, that's weird. What are you trying to keep out? The dogs can go in and out. I can see you. Like, I didn't really get it. Um, And then there's all the different kinds of fences. Like, maybe you just have um, kind of chicken wire around your vegetable garden to keep rabbits out. That I totally get. That's not really a fence for people, though. It doesn't keep me out. It doesn't keep me and my neighbor from you know, communicating, having a relationship, that sort of thing. Some fences were, um, were kind of pretty just for sort of show, I think maybe, um, picket fences or what would you call it? Um, you know, when it's like two slats of wood, um, and obviously like any dog or cat or any (laughs) animal can get over or through or whatever, um oh, I'm sure that there's a name for this kind of fence, but I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, but like two slats of wood going across and then poles that hold them up all the way across. Those fences to me are just for show. Sure. They don't keep anything in or out. Um, and then all the different things in between. Some, some properties would have not a fence, but just hedges, which um, depending on how well you took care of your hedges would afford you some privacy or really not that much at all. So this is what I was started thinking about. In our lives, in our hearts, we have some kind of fence around our heart. Now, one time I went to visit a friend in Ohio, and um, we went outside to their backyard, and I don't know, we were either having a drink or a picnic or lunch outside or whatever. And I remember looking out, and I could not tell where their backyard ended and the neighbor behind them's backyard started, and I couldn't tell where their side neighbors. Lawns started and ended compared to theirs. I had never seen a place. Well, probably not never, but in so long after living so long in Southern California and in cities where there was no fence at all, and I said, "How do you even know where your property line is? Like, how how far do you mow your lawn, or do you just hope the next the next door neighbor is going to mow out further into your side so you have to mow less?" Like, I just just didn't get it at all anymore, and I started thinking about. All these things is compared to our hearts right now when we're stuck inside or stuck with a small group of people or stuck by ourselves or whatever. Like how much of ourselves are we really w- willing to share? How much do we think that we're sharing compared to how much are we really sharing? What kind of fence do we have around our hearts? Is it a hedge? Is it metal? Is it stone? Is it just kind of one of those decorative, um, nice, slat, I wish I knew what I was saying with the name of that fence, but you know, the fence, it has just like two, two long slat boards. Um, Is it, uh, do you have literally no fence at all? I mean, there might be people in your life who are thinking, please put up at least a little bit of a fence. I don't want to hear every single thought you have on every single topic. I have occasionally been accused of that from people, which, you know, totally get it. Everybody has their levels, right? And of course we want to protect our hearts. There's lots of relationships that I have where I know I am actively keeping people at an arm's length distance or more because there are people who have habitually hurt me in the past, but who are people in my life, in my circle that will always be in my circle and therefore I just have to figure out how to deal with them. Um, And when it comes to being hurt and then being hurt again and then being hurt again, of course, we're going to put up some kind of fence, something to protect ourselves. But then how much of it is to keep other people out? How much of it is to make sure that we don't let ourselves out? So since we're writers a lot of our self goes out there on the page, no matter what kind of book we're writing. I'm writing this book on encouragement for writers. It's nonfiction, yes, but it's probably got more of my heart in it than probably a lot of my fiction. And my fiction has a lot of my heart in it. You can tell the kind of person I am by the kind of story that I write and the way that I have my characters act and interact with each other. There was a time when we lived in Australia that we thought we would only be there for a couple of months. We'd really never been out of the country except to Canada, which I, you know, many times jokingly called just another extension of where I lived in Michigan. <laughs> um, it, you didn't even need a passport or anything. You just drove across the border and said, hi, we're just coming up here for the day to have a picnic or something. That was it. So aside from that, Australia was the first time that we moved someplace not in the United States. And I was super excited. We both were like, this is amazing. We did not grow up um, with families who traveled much, not even within the United States. So the idea that we were in another country and that John had a job there was just astounding. And we were like, just in case this never happens to us again, let's do and see all we can. Now, John was really low man on the totem pole. So he had enough money to, you know, pay for food and rent and that sort of thing, but not big vacations so we saved up everything and two of our good friends from california darren and stephanie said the great barrier reef is on our bucket list please don't go without us wait until we can get there so they came over on vacation and the four of us took the cheapest possible trip you can imagine to go see the great barrier reef um like the super cheap Air airplane that doesn't allow you to have luggage, and we stayed in backpacker motels, and we took the cheapest possible tour out to the Great Barrier Reef. But the four of us were so excited; it was like all we could do just to keep our excitement inside of our skins. It, we were so so happy. But when we actually got there, and the boat, you know, stopped, and everybody started getting their their swimwear and snorkeling equipment and everything on, I was just talking to myself inside my head going you've got to do it you came all the way here you've got to get in the water but water over my head is like not my favorite thing (laughs) i am a terrible swimmer and um and i've almost drowned twice so um i have issues i have issues about deep water so i get to the edge of the boat and i'm sitting on the edge and my feet are in the water and i'm looking in this amazing clear water and i'm seeing all kinds of fish and one of them was i swear half as big as me and i'm sorry but i'm sorry to his his mother but that fish was ugly it was ugly and there's something about ugly fish that i just find also scary and also it was a great big fish so i was like i don't know that i want to get in the water but he wasn't really moving around it was like he was just sort of looking at all these funny humans getting in the water Everyone who wanted to get in the water was in the water, except for me. Everybody looked happy to me. Everybody was swimming around and they had their snorkels and they were seeing things. And I well, I was trying to get myself to get in the water, but I was scared. And, and this was going to be like the only time I would ever be able to go there. And so I was trying not to like get so upset with myself that I would cry because I desperately wanted to do this, but I couldn't get myself to do it. Eventually, our friend Darren noticed me sitting on the side of the boat. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm really scared to get in. He took like 15 minutes at least and just calmly, quietly talked me through like, this is really neat. It's beautiful. The water's calm. None of the fish are at all interested in me at all. There's a rope that I could just, if I just got over to that rope, I could just hang on to the rope and stay there and, you know, put my face down with my with my mask on and just look through the water and, you know, maybe go up and down, back and forth on the rope or whatever, that it was going to be totally fine. And he was just very calmly and, but with this, this beautiful, loving heart telling me how great it was going to be and I just needed to get in the water. And he's like, well, just... put yourself over the side and hang on to the boat for a while and we'll talk a little longer. And we did that. And then eventually he went over to the rope. It was like three feet. I had to swim three feet. Of course I could do that. But still I'm thinking this water is like, I don't even know how deep, a million times over my head. (laughs) For some reason, I just had it in my head. I was going to sink like a stone if I let go of that boat. But he walked me through the whole thing until I was finally over hanging onto the rope and looking down through my mask and being like, holy cow, I can't believe it. I'm in the ocean at the Great Barrier Reef. This is amazing. And then he was like, are you okay? Are you going to be okay here? Just call my name if you need anything. Um, and you might wonder, where's John? John was way, way off. He was very happily swimming around, had no idea what had been going on with me. And it was the most amazing thing. Darren's heart to me that moment was like when I visited my friends in Ohio and I was like, I don't understand. How do you even know where your yard ends and the next yard begins? Like it's just all this beautiful green grass everywhere. And I was like, you know, that's the connection that Darren and I had for a few minutes not that we always have that kind of connection, not that we've never had it again. I'm sure probably we have. I don't know. But for a moment, there were no fences and it was all just come on over, enjoy the screen grass over here. (laughs) It was an amazing experience. And I know that it's one that humans have all the time. You know, not every day. Interestingly, let me tell you, Darren changed from being a teacher, which he was very good at, to being a counselor. No surprise there, right? So as a writer, though, where are you at on the teacher to counselor kind of spectrum? Where are you at in the, let me share my heart with you so that you can really understand something that's important or really enjoy something that's important? Darren wanted to help me just to enjoy this amazing once-in-a-lifetime moment that we were all having. That was it. I mean, in a, on the one hand, it wasn't really important. It didn't change the course of world history. It didn't change the course of my life, except for notice, it did change me. It changed me because it was an example of just really opening yourself up, not having any fences, not keeping people away at all. And then he was able to give me something that I desperately wanted. And I think that we can do that as writers, no matter what kind of writing we do, whether it's a blog post or a story or a how-to book or a textbook. Um, I think that there are so many ways that we can look at what we're writing. You know, after probably we've written the first draft and ask ourselves, how could I make this have even more heart to it. And I think part of it is being willing to use different words, to say things in a different way that really open yourself up and make the emotion of what you're saying deeper and stronger and really um, vibrate more within other people. Because when we write something that changes one other person, We have no idea what the ripple effects of that are going to be. How many people is that person going to say something to and change in a positive way? And as writers, I think we have this amazing um, gift and power and responsibility to, as best we can, know when is the time to just lower the fence a little bit, move the fence a little bit further out. Maybe climb over the fence, maybe hang on to it, take one step, take one more step, just one more step so that we can't actually reach the fence anymore and just see what is this like. Is this a better place? Am I writing from a better place now that I've like let the fence be a little bit away from me? Because maybe over time we'll find that we do move the fence further and further out, that we give more space for our own hearts and more space for other people to enjoy what's in our hearts. I really hope that this is something that is getting you thinking, and depending on what you write, you might feel like, um, you know, this applies to me a lot or only a little, but whatever kind of fence that you have around your heart, whatever kind of fence around that you have around your writing, ask yourself if it's important and necessary that it be 10 feet tall, three meters tall. Does it need to be metal or stone or concrete or brick? Could it be just a hedge? You know, at least that's green and full of life. You know, birds can be in a hedge. Um, it's prettier Uh, It's good for the environment, you know, green things clean the air for us. Maybe it could be uh, even shorter hedge, maybe one that, you know, keeps us with a little bit of distance between each other, but that if I was walking down the sidewalk and looking over the hedge of your heart, I could see you at least and wave to you, say hello, we could get to know each other a little bit. Maybe the hedge needs to be even less than that hedge or maybe that maybe the fence needs to be even less than a hedge. Maybe just one of those kind of pretty white picket fences that just look nice and vines grow on that have flowers on them. I don't know. I'm not even sure that I know from my own heart yet, but I do know that it's important to me because every book that I write, I share a little bit more of my heart and a little bit more. And I really am pretty much 99% sure that's why, it's a huge part of the reason why I feel like every book I write is better than the one before. Because I'm really digging into what do I really think about this situation? What would these characters really um, be moved by? Like what, what would move them? And therefore, you know, how would that affect my readers? when I'm writing things about encouragement and when I'm doing podcasts where I'm trying to encourage people, like, can I share just a little bit more of myself so that it helps other people to see, okay, now I see what you mean. It's, it's that, it's that going just a little bit further. It's, it's hopping over the side of the fence and maybe still hanging on to the fence, <laughs> but at least it's being, you know, another foot or two on the other side, half a meter on the other side giving just a little bit more space to how much you're willing to share with people and then how much that will move other people. I do believe that we can write books that change the world. I'm absolutely convinced of it. We can all name books that have changed the world, have changed the world as a whole, have changed nations, have changed individuals. And I think that that is what our gifts are for. And maybe not all people with the gift of writing and storytelling would agree, but it's what I believe. And I think that we could do a lot of good things in the world right now, especially at times when people feel more anxious and more fearful and people you know, are losing income or losing jobs or losing loved ones. There are so many things that we could do to add more life and love and I don't mean to be like, woo-woo, positive energy, but seriously, being more positive, helping other people to count their blessings, to see what there is. But also, I mean, part of sharing your heart with somebody is also being sympathetic and empathetic and um, crying with people who cry and laughing with people who laugh. So in what ways can we do that as a human being and in our writing? Those are some of the things that I am... Looking to explore, continue exploring in my own writing. And I hope that you are also doing the same because it might make your next book better than any book you've written before. And that would be so, so exciting, right? It would be like that one moment when I got into the water at the Great Barrier Reef and I was no longer hanging onto the boat and I was like, I'm in the water at the Great Barrier Reef. Oh my gosh. I want you to have that experience in your writing. I want that experience in my writing. So give it some thought, happy writing, get some writing done. After you've written the first draft, see, ask yourself, what could I do more with this? or what else could I do with this? I would love to hear from you, so let me know how it's going. I want us all to have the best writing year we've ever had in 2020. I'm very, very excited about all the things that are going to happen this year that are positive and that add life and joy and love and peace to our community, our neighbors, the people who read our books, and people who read whatever it is that we're writing. So go write something look it over again, go write some more, do some editing, write some more, see what happens. I'm excited. Have a great week. And I will talk to you again. Let's see the next episode is the Encouraging Words episode because it'll be the first Sunday of the month. So that'll be coming up in a few days. And I hope that you find encouragement both in this episode and in that one. Then we will talk to Bethany Turner, who is a hoot, so funny. She'll be here next Thursday. So you've got several good episodes I think that are just going to really make you feel good about life and, and writing. Enjoy and we'll talk to you later.